Only Three Lads is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family, home to some of the best music podcasts on the planet. Visit PantheonPodcast.com to discover more. And if you like what we do on O3L, we kindly ask you to please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. It really helps us more than you know. Now I need your help to get back to the year 1985. Thank you for joining us again. It is another episode of the Only Three Lads podcast where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. This week, it is the 24th episode. Is that correct? Yes, it is. 24th. Wow. 24th. Jeff and this Gordon. week, we are taking a look at the top five albums of 1985. What a great year for music. By the way, I'm Uncle Greg. We have the PhD here, Brett Vargo, and we have Ambassador Bueno. Now, that's Six Finger Jake to you. <laughs> we were just talking about an horrible Melanie Griffith straight-to-video album years ago, because I guess Bueno last week, he was talking about robot prostitutes. <laughs> As one does. Like, there, there was a connection. Yes. Yeah, I want to get back to that robot prostitutes. <laughs> Let me tell you, there's going to be nobody going out to clubs as soon as those are built. I could just see it. Both sides of men and women. Could you imagine? I don't know. I totally see society falling apart as soon as those are built. Mm. Yeah, rented by the day. <laughs> Give us a call. <laughs> Hold All on. Right. I got to get this gorilla out of here, man. Get out, get out of my way. I got to throw him back in the time machine. Good. Get the flux capacitor and get him uh, back to 1985. Man, he just wants to play with those robot pop prostitutes. <laughs> but didn't that movie with the flux capacitor come out? It was July 85, wasn't back it? Back to the Future, 85, yeah. See, yeah. I remember that. Wow. Back to the, future. the things I remember, but then again, the things I forget. That's even more amazing. Like sometimes I'm looking at my son. Uh, oh, yeah. You. Well, I've it's forgotten weird. more than I'll ever know. <laughs> Well, how was this week for your music taste? I know that 1985 for me was a great year for music, at least in my life. It was tough. There was a lot of great music. And as normal, I did my little shuffle where, you know, I can't decide on my, you know, usually my number four and five. I rotate a bunch of albums out. So what a year. Bueno, what about you? Yeah, it was a great year. I, I had some issues with some of my stuff too, but I finally got down to my top five and I think it's pretty good. Yeah, once again, for me, I had a bunch of people on my list, a bunch of bands and artists, and I felt heartbroken leaving some of them off, but I just had to go with what I still listen to today and what it meant to me back then. So yeah, my list, pretty proud of it. And we'll see what happens. And if there's any crossovers, we've already said there may be one band that crosses over to all three of our lists, but I guess we'll just have to find out. Wait yep. and see. Brett, you're first this week, I am right? first, yes. Okay. So this week I had the 1985 albums by groups like Prefab Sprout, Candy, The Church, even Run DMC, Dexie's Midnight Runners, You'll Come Around, Greg, oh. until I finally went with Ignite the Seven Cannons by English indie band Felt, led by the enigmatic, mononymous singer-songwriter Lawrence. Prison boats and planes and people from the 
This was Felt's fourth album in a career that was perfectly calculated with 10 wildly eclectic albums and 10 singles in exactly 10 years. Seven Cannons is a transitional album in the best way possible. It was the last album they recorded for Cherry Red Records before splitting for Creation. It was the first album to feature future Primal Scream keyboardist Martin Duffy and the last album to include guitarist Morris Debank. The latter fact is very important in that D-Bank was so crucial to the band's early sound, co-writing many of the band's songs, and his mix of classically trained virtuosity and indie jangle made him one of the great unsung guitar heroes of alternative music. Beautifully produced by the Cocteau twins' Robin Guthrie, although Lawrence contends that Guthrie actually ruined some of his best songs, the centerpiece is the six-minute, dreamy, number-one indie single, Primitive Painters, where Lawrence's brittle, droll Tom Verlaine-esque voice is majestically accompanied by the siren calls of the Cocteau's Elizabeth Frazier. Although Felt arguably had a couple of better albums to follow in their career, most notably 1986's Forever Breathes the Lonely Word, this is the album that best represents their sound in my opinion. In its seven vocal tracks and four instrumentals, it's not hard to see why Felt inspired legions of fey indie poppers from the field mice to Bell and Sebastian. Dreamy, jangly, literate, and idiosyncratic, I implore you to listen to my number five, Ignite the Seven Cannons by Felt. I'm going to have to. I've never I'm going to have to, too. I wrote it down. Everyone should listen to Felt. I already have it down. Incredible. Right. Uncle Greg. Well, kicking off my list of top five albums of 1985 is an album that has one of the best songs of all time. That started getting regular play on alternative radio stations once again in the mid-90s. Cinema Verite from Dramarama was released in November 1985 by the New Jersey band. That then, of course, they moved to L.A. because the world-famous K-Rock, K-R-O-Q, started playing the song Anything, Anything. Now, what a great song. It became one of K-Rock's most requested songs in 86 and 87. Everyone connects for some reason with anything, anything, because I think it perfectly encapsulates the frustration of trying to force the wrong toxic person into your life. And most of us at one time or another have been there. raw emotion of the album of course leads me to my favorite song on Cin- on cinema verite the last track emerald city i'm living on chocolate ice cream it's just full of tender sorrow that lets you believe soon everything's going to be fine i finally found it i'm feeling my way all around it i'm gonna surround it There's a couple covers on the album also. David Bowie's Candidate off his Diamond Dogs album and a Velvet Underground song written by Lou Reed, Femme Fatale. So it's a great album. Came out in 85. I still listen to it today on a regular basis, especially 
Emerald City. So if you're doing nothing after the podcast, go to YouTube, Drama Rama, Emerald City, and have that nice Zen ride. That's my number five this week, Drama Rama Cinema Verite. Great. Bueno ah. was there at that time. Yep. I must have heard them play that on 106.7, LA and Orange County's alternative radio leader, K Rock. They did enjoy their Drama Rama, that's for sure. Oh, they played it thousands of times. In the early 90s, when I started getting involved in alternative radio, the guy who I worked with, Willoughby, was good friends with John Easdale in the band. So there was always a lot of interviews, or and that's where I discovered that song, Anything, Anything. Now, Emerald City, something I probably discovered earlier i was still in high school but i couldn't even put the two together i didn't even really know the band but then after i started to listen to drama rama lot i was like wow that is a great great album the whole thing stick around and keep listening andre heck yeah <laughs> our drama rama <laughs> hater out there oh yeah oh <laughs> yeah all right so let's uh let's hit hit up my number five it's by uh an artist named robert palmer uh you guys know riptide right you guys heard that yes album. love this record uh released by island records in november of 85 this is the eighth studio album and this album was actually recorded over a period of three months in the at the compass point studios in nasa bahamas That album peaked at number five on the UK chart, number eight on the US Billboard 200, certified double platinum, and certified gold in the UK. It also featured songs Addicted to Love, I Didn't Mean to Turn You On, Hyperactive, Discipline of Love, and Riptide, which were all released as singles. And the single Addicted to Love was accompanied by an iconic and much imitated music video directed by Terrence Donovan. And which Hummer is surrounded by a near identical clad heavily made up female musicians so they're you know they're mimicking or mocking the painting style of patrick nagel palmer performed addicted to love at the 86 mtv music awards and in 87 he won the grammy award for the best male vocal performance for addicted to love so Eighty-seven Brit Awards, Palmer received his first nomination for the Best British Male Singer. And then that same year, I dated one of the heavily made-up female musicians from that video. Wait, what? Which one? Wait, wait, wait. wait. I am not going to say. So what happened was, there was a local radio station. I was living in Port Wyneme, and they were running a contest looking for singles to set up on Valentine's Day. And whoever wrote the best paragraph for the reason... That's who won. That's all I can say. But I did date that girl probably four times. So, um, and, you know, let's go back to the record here. Hey, whoa, so, whoa, whoa. Uh, so four uh, times dinner or four times yeah, dinner? Yeah, a little bit of everything. Uh, so <laughs> dinner, the, if you know what I mean. Hey, no. In a cherry tuna kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> So 
So for the album, Palmer actually collaborated with two former drum uh, members of Power Station, uh, guitarist Andy Taylor and, of course, Tony Thompson. And there was nine tracks on this record, four singles. I already read those off, and that's my number five, Robert Palmer, Riptide. Told you guys well, I've been. Told you guys I've well, been everywhere. Well, aren't we full of surprises? Yeah. <clears throat> I yes, have no idea are. what you said after I dated one of the uh, women from that video. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's what to I'm quote another on. Robert Palmer song, some guys have all the luck. Yes. Yep. One of the four. That's all I'm going to say, and I'm going to leave humida, it at that. Humida, humida. Uh-huh. I'm going to have to look at the video now, because is it the one? Because none of me could tell can't play for anything. Um, yeah. It's just made up. I talked. They're not really that. playing? What? No. no. Oh, oh, I got the whole shatter story. my illusions. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. But Power <laughs> Station is what really catapulted him into that album because the power yeah, station dude. came out in 85 too that almost made my list because i i know brett that you're not a big fan of it <laughs> but i really loved that when that first came out it was just big duran duran fan then it was just something different more rocked up and the whole yeah. album there was pretty good i've told you guys about how much i love and respect robert palmer but yeah right around the time of the power station is when things i think started going a little off the rails where palmer was always a stylish guy but it started to seem like he was more style over substance to me well, come on doctor doctor give me the news yeah i got a, good a track. bad case of you i love that song too yeah, yep. good track all of that stuff. We lost him way too early, too. We did w way too early. He was like 56 or something like that. Yeah, something yeah. like that. He yeah. was and I'm going to be 61 in a week and a half. Jeez. Uh, scary as hell. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I know. All right. Ready for number four? Number we four. are. All right. So 1985's The Head on the Door is one of my favorite Cure albums, perfectly balancing the light and dark side of that band. So... What I'm picking for my number four album may upset some of you because it's not the head on the door, but rather the debut album by a band whose cure worship ran so deep that it actually angered many devotees of Robert Smith and crew. album is Purity by Dutch band The Essence. Gonna get a little Brett weird here. Yes, The Essence specialized in a sound that so closely resembled The Cure in the 17 seconds faith and pornography era that casual listeners would be likely to mistake the two bands. Singer Hans Diener is a dead ringer for Robert Smith, and even the song titles sound like they were conjured up by a Cure song title generator. A reflected dream, forever in death, the waving girl, but I guess if you're gonna ape someone's sound, The Cure is a good one to liberally borrow from. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. The album is really, really good. Like, not a weak cut on the album good. And because of its relative obscurity, you get that new to you feeling of, why didn't I discover this album 35 years ago? In fact, I just heard this album for the first time a couple of years ago, and that was my exact reaction. Tracks like The Cat and Endless Lake sound like Bizarro World alternative radio classics, as worthy of repeated plays as their heroes in between days or a night like this from the same year. This 
This album is guaranteed to scratch that itch when you need something a little gloomy and doomy. And fun fact, the album was recorded where most young Dutch bands go to make their big break. Yep, that's right, Alaska. Yet, somehow with the icy darkness of the album, it's entirely appropriate. That's my number four album of 1985, Purity by The Essence. Another band I've never heard of that I'll have to check out. I already wrote it down again. You're going Brett Weird on us today. A wee bit. A wee, a wee bit. Brett bre- bre- Weird. Brett Weird? I, you know, what? what's weird is this band had to go to Alaska. Why yeah. would you ever want to go there? I don't know. I mean, if you're not looking for gold, I mean, really, want Anchorage, the biggest city, and yeah. probably like a one club. Young Dutch lads are probably like, oh, we want to go to America. <laughs> yeah, they're like, dude, we got you a gig in Alaska, dude. Yeah. yeah. Alaska. Is that in America? Yeah. Yes, it is. Okay, we go. <laughs> Where's Hollywood? <laughs> yeah, they why, get do Dutch, why, do, why do Dutch people sound like that? <laughs> All right, uh, Uncle Greg. All right, well. Help us, Uncle Greg. <laughs> my number four on my list of the best albums of 1985 is the third studio album from English pop band ABC, How to Be a Zillionaire. Pounds. Dollar. Millionaire. Dollar. Pounds. Dollar. Had the group presented in cartoon form with animation artwork on the album, and the videos were totally different from anything at the time. Martin Fry, Mark White, they put performers Eden, and New York City photographer David Yarraitu. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, but he was the little guy in those videos. Now, not all fans of ABCs of the early MTV hits like Look of Love and Poison Arrow were big fans of this album. Had to be a zillionaire because it was so different, but I jumped on board right away. If you listen to the song Vanity Kills, it'll take you right back to the whiff of clove cigarettes on the dance floor of your favorite teen club. That's what it does for me. You seen who's just walked in. The title track had to be a zillionaire, a great song, catchy beat, groovy lyrics, corruption. I've seen the future, huh? I can't afford it. Uh, is that song before it's time or do just some things never change? Other singles off had to be a zillionaire, be near me, ocean blue. Great album. It's fun. It's uh, catchy. I still listen to songs on this album today, so that's why ABC, How to Be a Zillionaire, lands at number four of my top five albums of 1985. Yeah, I knew you were going to pick that. I applaud you. Great album. I knew it. I'm a big ABC fan. That was one of the very first bands I saw on MTV where I was just like, that's my band. Yeah. My band. Well, and that whole first album, The Lexicon of Love, was so iconic, and then I think their second was Beauty Stab, and I was like, totally different different sound that nobody expected nobody really liked it and then how to be a zillionaire was kind of i I guess the return of abc as we knew and loved them yeah more of a dancey and catchy and then of course in 86 came out when Smokey sings and alphabet city i think was the name of the album and yeah 86 87 which was 
And then after that, you really didn't hear much about ABC unless they were going on a reunion or a nostalgic tour. I can't remember anything after Alphabet City. Brett? They have a few albums. Uh, I haven't heard them all, but they did the Lexicon of Love 2, I don't know, a couple, three years ago. And that was actually really good, but, you know, it was a conscious effort to return to that sound. Well, I remember in the mid-90s that they went on tour again, and that was like a big thing. You know, ABC's yeah. getting back together, but it was kind of more like, it wasn't like new music. It was, we're going to play the hits, and you're going to have a good time remembering clove cigarettes on a teen dance floor 10 years ago. <laughs> All right, Bueno, you're number four. My number four is uh, Big Audio Dynamite. This is Big Audio Dynamite. You know, Mick Jones, uh, post-clash band, melted hip-hop, punk, and reggae. Released in October of 85, uh, this album peaked at number 27 on the UK, 103 on the Billboard 200, certified gold, three singles, you know, which all charted in the UK, but the bottom line barely made the top 100, peaking at 97, lowest charting single, and then uh, equals MC2 uh, became their top 20 hit, peaking at 11. Medicine Show, actually, that peaked at 29. The video from uh, Medicine Show featured two other former members of the class, Joe Strummer and Paul Simonson, as police officers, as well as Johnny Lydon from the Sex Pistols. And the remastered uh, Legacy Edition was released in 2010. And in 2016, they actually put out an independent vinyl uh, reissue on 180 gram vinyl. I bet you got a copy of that, huh, Brett? The 180 gram vinyl? I do not. Well, you know, there was some sample sound bites from four motion pictures that were kind of cool throughout the song. And the one I need to mention is, wanted in 14 counties of this state, the condemned is found guilty of crimes of murder, armed robbery of citizens, state banks, post offices, the theft of sacred objects, arson of state prison, perjury, bigamy, Deserting his wife and children, inciting prostitution, robot, kidnapping, extortion, <laughs> receiving stolen goods, selling stolen goods, passing counterfeit money, and to the contrary to the laws of this state, the contempt is guilty of using marked cards. Therefore, according to the powers vested in us, we sentence the accused here before us, Joaquin Obega, I can't even say it, Juan Mario Vancares, known as the Rat. And any other aliases he must have. He must hang by death until dead. May God have mercy on his soul. Proceed. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. And that's my number four top five albums from 1985. Big audio dynamite. The whole last minute, I would hate for somebody to be listening to this out of context. I know. <laughs> you just totally sounded like you went off the rails there. <laughs> just having fun. You got to have fun. Yep. That's how we do it in the Netherlands. Mm, yes, we do. <laughs> and what an intelligent pick there, Bueno. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. oh, no. Yet might have been the triple crossover. It might be. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. It looks like we are making our way to our number one album of 1985 here on the Only Three Lads podcast. Don't forget, if you have a smart speaker, you can say Alexa. You can say Google. 
play the Only Three Lads podcast, and we'll be right there with you. We do this every week. It comes out on Tuesday, so make sure and tell your friends. Get to Facebook, hit notification, and that way you'll be with us every week here looking at the golden age of alternative music. We'll continue our list of our top five albums of 1985 in two and two. I love gold. Was that a little crazy or what? It was a lot of crazy. Your youth. No shake, no stems, no seeds. Hey, bud. Let's party. But we all evolve. Of course I'm doing laundry. Saturday night is laundry night. Rack up cool points with only three lads. Attention, calling the O3L community. We are so happy with our family of fellow fans of the golden age of alternative music. But we need your help to spread the word. If you like what we're doing here, we love it when you share our social posts, write reviews, and tell your friends. Or show your support for the show through one of our t-shirt designs from the Shop Now link at facebook.com slash only3lads. The more people we have discovering, discussing, and reminiscing about this great music, the better. From the bottom of our hearts, we love and appreciate all of you. Thank you, and now back to the show. I'm telling the truth, Doc. You gotta believe me. Then tell me, future boy, <laughs> who's president of the United States in 1985? Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan? The actor? <laughs> then who's vice president? Jerry Lewis. Thanks for sticking around with us on the Only Three Lads podcast, where we are on many podcasting platforms, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, Apple Podcast, and the iHeartRadio app. Ooh, I'm Uncle so Greg. Much. Whoa. What? Didn't, you, didn't we just get on YouTube also? Well, well, we're on YouTube. You can see little promos of our yeah. wonderful podcast. We're working on, on getting full episodes up on YouTube. Cool. We have to have goals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all do. Yes. Having a fruitful... <laughs> Uh, life I gave up on. So I just said, let's do this podcast. And bang, yeah. here I am. If if we can get our podcast on YouTube, life fulfilled. That's yes. it, man. That's it. Bucket list done. I'm already check, there check. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Uncle Greg. We got the PhD of music, Brett Vargo, and we have Ambassador Bueno, what a.k.a. The... Stubby Man. Yes. <laughs> I'm just going to rattle off Cherry 2000. <laughs> now that I've found out about this movie, I'm obsessed and I haven't yes. even seen it. You're going to have to watch it. It's so much cheese. It's unreal. The uh, fact that there's a character called Stubby Man just impresses me. <laughs> you need a case of cheese whiz for that movie. Brett, what's your number three song of our top five albums of 1985? Well, my number three album of my top oh, five um, albums. Yes. As far as post-punk albums go, The Chameleon's 1983 debut, Script of the Bridge, is a pretty tough act to follow. And you may remember that that particular album topped my list way back in the post-punk episode. My number three album of 1985 is The Chameleon's follow-up to that debut, What Does Anything Mean, basically. From the atmospheric instrumental opener Silent Sea and Sky, it's evident that the Manchester band has ramped up the production quality for their second record, but by the time Perfume Garden, the second track, kicks in two minutes later, you realize that the Chameleons may have broadened their sonic palette, but have sacrificed none of the power of their debut, and it doesn't let up from there. album revels in its glorious heady mixture of swirling echo-laden guitars and icy keyboards and Mark Burgess's anxious, angst-ridden polemic. 
This wasn't exactly a commercial sound in 1985, mind you. The only single release from the album Singing Rule Britannia was a stinging attack on Thatcher government with a memorable coda lifted from the Beatles' She Said, She Said. Perhaps needless to say, like all other Chameleon singles, it sunk without a trace, once again proving there's no real justice in the world. This was so overlooked in its time, but one of the most amazing things about What Does Anything Mean Basically and the rest of the Chameleon's catalog is just how modern it sounds now. This music could have been made in 2020 just as it was in 1985, and believe you me, if more music sounded like this in 2020, the world would be a much better place. I've seen too many crazy sides. I've had too many crazy nights. I didn't want the scars to show. Give yourself 40 minutes to do nothing else but let this album sweep over you, and I promise this is a Brett PhD guarantee here, you won't regret it. So there you have it, my number three album of 1985, The Chameleons, What Does Anything Mean, Basically. Yeah. I will have to check that out. I remember the band. Yeah, that's a great one. That album. Yes. Anything they did was just mm-hmm. amazing. Yes, it was. All right, Uncle Greg. Well, my number three, of course, is the crossover with Bueno right now. Big <gasps> Audio Dynamite. This is Big Audio Dynamite. Now, Bueno said it all, but basically, when Mick Jones left The Clash, this was such a departure from that band. And let me just tell you that he talked about Bueno, the, the sampling that was so groundbreaking at the time in 1985 when this album came out. It really put it into the mainstream. Teenagers liked it at the time. So even if you're not a big fan of the band, and maybe you're going, why do these guys like this album so much? This this is big audio dynamite. You at least have to give it to Mick Jones for his genius. But that's my number three. The horses are on the track. That's all that needs to be said. Big audio dynamite. This is... Big Audio Dynamite. Hmm, what an intelligent pick. What an intelligent pick. Looks like we got the triple. Oh, oh I think we, we are. Uh, we or might. do we? <laughs> bueno. Bueno. Oh, was it my turn? I'm sorry. I got lost there in something. I don't know what it was. but uh, So my number three is probably going to be another crossover, I'm guessing. Probably with Uncle Greg. Uh, Power Station. Power Station, uh, American British rock supergroup, hard edged blend of arena rock and futuristic 80s pop. Uh, hello, formed around uh, Duran Duran and Robert Palmer. And Capitol Records, Lucky Dogs, got to release that on March 25th, peak number six in the US Billboard 200, number 12 in the UK albums charts, and three singles uh, were released. And uh, an anniversary edition was actually released in 2005, uh, featuring seven bonus tracks. So definitely find that, guys, and definitely check that out. And also, as well as a 35-minute DVD. Robert Palmer, Andy Taylor, John Taylor, Tony Thompson.
Some like it hot, bang a gong, communication. My number three top five albums, 1985, Power Station, the Power Station, 33 and a third. You double palmered. <laughs> well, palmered. Huh. I could triple like a, palmer. Sounds like a drink. I'll have a double palmer in a dirty glass. That's dirty, how we do it in the uh, Netherlands. See, it, it just went downhill. Double palmer in a dirty glass. <laughs> you took it into the gutter with the word dirty. I mean, okay, okay. And well, then I was like, ooh. As uh, Stubby Man once <laughs> Stubby said. Stubby Man, yes. Stubby keeps coming up. <laughs> <laughs> as he does <laughs> all right so who's up next with our number two brett oh brett? is it number two already <laughs> it is number two already we've been stepping to number wow. two this whole podcast gosh uh-huh. i guess so i guess here comes another explicit rating for really no good reason mm-hmm. all right uh if you follow this podcast any degree my number two album will not come as a surprise <gasps> to anyone. no way yes i do well it's tim and Yes, I do mean Tim Conway's soundtrack to the classic short film, Dorf on Golf. Cool. Nah. Oh, no, it's Tim, the 1985 album by The Replacements. Tim was the man's fourth full-length album and the first for major label Sire after spending the first half of the 80s on hometown indie twin tone. The earliest of scrapped album sessions were recorded with one of Paul Westerberg's heroes and mine, Alex Chilton from the Box Tops and Big Star, a name that we have, of course, mentioned on O3L before. Sire considered Robin Hitchcock for production duties, which would have been really interesting, if possibly ill-fitting, but ultimately settled on Tommy Ramone, his birth name, which I will not even try to pronounce. Although Tim has a more expensive studio sheen than the Matt's early albums, fans needn't have worried about a major label sellout. Tim has 11 tracks of prime replacements playing to all of their strengths. In turns, loose on tracks like All By and Lay It Down Clown, Wickedly Funny on Kiss Me on the Bus and the Stewardess Kiss Off, Waitress in the Sky, Thoughtful on Swingin' Party and Little Mascara, an anthemic on Bastards of Young, and the song that could serve as the theme song for the entire O3L era, Left of the Dial. And it ends with one of the most devastatingly beautiful and poignant songs in Westerberg's songbook, Here Comes a Regular. In this song, you can hear the self-pity, the loneliness, and vulnerability in Westerberg's raw vocals, an evocative song about being among the fellow loudmouthed drunks at the bar, but ultimately feeling empty and hopeless. Wants to be special here. They call your name out loud and clear. Here comes a regular. Sadly, it would be the last album to feature a regular, original guitarist Bob Stinson, who would continue to struggle for the next and last 10 years of his life with drug and alcohol addiction issues until his ultimate death in 1995. Little levity now, fun fact, 
After swiping the title of their previous album, Let It Be, from, of course, The Beatles, the band jokingly considered doing the same by naming Tim after the Stones' Let It Bleed. For another classic album by a band who had one of the best runs of the 80s, Tim by The Replacements is my number two album of 1985. Great. I would have bet money that you were going to pick that Surprise, surprise. Uh Uh-huh. It's a great a one. It is a great one. Should have picked it. Yeah. I love good. it. All right, Uncle Greg. Well, my number two song of the top five albums. Song? My song. I always keep see things I remember and things that I don't. Albums. Uh, my number two <laughs> of the top five albums of 1985 is the fifth album by the post-punk English band Killing Joke. The album Nighttime was released in February 1985 and has since influenced bands like Nirvana, Metallica, Nine Inch Nails, and Soundgarden and many, many more. Now, the first single off that album, 80s, that guitar line is emulated in Nirvana's song, Come As You Are, though there was no lawsuit filed. I hope Nirvana at least brought the band dinner uh, the song King and Queens also has some fierce riffs. Then the song Love Like Blood, one of the best bass lines in alt-rock history. More accusations of lifting Motley Crue's bass line on Dr. Feelgood. They say it's the same thing. Uh, Love Like Blood, though, is one of those songs that's carved into our hearts and souls. If you heard Nighttime in 1985 like I did, there was not a whole lot like it. It's just awesome. I just love the bass lines, everything, the album, an international success. If you haven't heard this album in a while, if you haven't heard Love Like Blood or 80s, make sure and go on YouTube and check those out at some point this week. But my number two of the top five albums of 1985, Killing Joke with Nighttime. That's a great record, too. Oh, yeah. That's in my top ten for sure. I just have always loved that one. And then you I get know. like, because, you know, I was into the rock of the 80s, too. And you, uh, Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses always talks about his bass playing and how that album influenced that. He also has a daughter in a band, and he says that she sees the brilliance of Killing Joke. I've never heard her band's music, but I recently was reading somewhere where he was talking about this, saying that it plays a big part in her band, too. Killing Joke influencing new musicians and musicians of old. They're a wonderful group. And I won't repeat my Killing Joke story. No. So, <laughs> so my number two is uh, Dream Into Action. This is the second studio album by British pop musician Howard Jones. Oh, Joe. Released in March of 85. Reached number two on the UK album charts. Reached in the top ten in the US. And was gold certification in the UK, platinum in the US and Canada. Contained some great songs. They you know, Things Can Only Get Better, Look Mama, Life in One Day like to get to know you well through this last song was actually not included on the original uk vinyl or cassette editions and
the version of uh, No One Is To Blame is not the hit single version. So they're kind of messing around with everything on this album. And In 2010, the album was remastered and re-released along with a world tour accompanied the album's original release, playing the Wembley Stadium and uh, arena-sized venues all through the U.S., Europe, and Japan. Uh, got reached number 35 in, in Canada, reached number two in the U.K., had 100,000 uh, units sold in Canada, 100,000 in the U.K., and uh, over a million in the United States. And uh, if anybody hasn't heard this record, you need to play this. This thing is incredible, top to bottom. You'll get a kick out of listening to him. He is just an incredible musical talent. And that's my number two top five albums, 1985, Howard Jones, Dream Into Action. That was number six on my list. And what hair, too. Love right, hair. I think that's the album cover where he has very big hair. He's got yeah. his hair like standing up. It's like, very popular in the 80s. Enjoy it if you guys haven't heard this one before. That was so huge the summer of 85. You couldn't escape your radio without hearing Howard Jones. Mm-hmm. There were so many hit songs, and on, he was all over MTV. I think I told you guys I, I picked up a collection. There were some albums in there from uh, the 91X library and then the Z90, which at the time was another San Diego alternative station or modern rock station in the 80s. And I think this one was Z90. So it was a 12-inch single of, of Hojo. And the uh, the DJs had all like graffitied the album cover and just wrote <laughs> some terrible things about Howard Jones. So I think he was uh, kind of the butt of many jokes back then, but produced some solid music. But I will take a picture of that and I'll post that on our Facebook oh, page. Oh, for sure. It's pretty funny. Yeah, definitely. I want to see that. Yes. <laughs> All right, we'll stick around to the Only Three Lads podcast because we are counting down our top five albums of 1985. We are at our number one albums, and we're going to talk about them right after this. Only Three Lads. Bueno, you may live in a St. Louis closet, but that closet is full of music knowledge, experiences, goodwill, and a dead body or two. Hey, here's some news from artists who all coincidentally released music in 1985. First, Beyond the Pale, the first album from pulp frontman Jarvis Cocker's new band Jarv Is, is out now. Cocker calls it not a live album, but an alive album as some of the seven long-form tracks are built off the band's live performances. It is available from Rough Trade Records in a cool glow-in-the-dark vinyl edition. Next, Throwing Muses premiered the song Dark Blue, the first single off their upcoming 10th album, Sun Racket. The album is due out in November and will be the college rock veteran's first album since 2013. Finally, long overdue remasters of The Chills, early 90s albums, Submarine Bells, and Soft Bomb are coming. The records are currently only available to order from label Fire Records or the New Zealand Legends Bandcamp page. Thank you once again for joining us on this Only Three Lads podcast where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. We are on our Jeff Gordon episode number 24 this week. Yeah. And much like NASCAR, we go very fast with our episodes and Uncle Greg had a mullet. 
Yes, I did actually way back in the day. Maybe I'll post that picture. It'll you bring should. if it's a fantastic. You will picture. die laughing at this. I, it may cause a heart attack. You'll laugh so hard. Oh, I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. Definitely want to see it. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Jeff Gordon's birthday is same as mine, August fourth. So is our, it really? Yeah, episode twenty five will be coming out on my birthday. Wow. So we're gonna have to make it a. Special we're gonna have to make it a special Wayno one. So, birthday. Yep. Yeah, so episode. Yep. So. People, let's see how much love you have for me. Lots well, of before love. we get to episode 25, let's end this episode 24. Our top five albums of 1985. Brett, what is your number one? Are you sure we don't want to just leave people hanging and never get to the number one? Yeah, we can go to next week and let them hang all week. Yeah. All right. All right. All right so okay. that's it. Be bueno. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So my number one choice is dedicated to my junior high and high school friend, Roberto Alvarez. And I don't know where Roberto is now or if he's still alive because he had an incredible death wish. He was the kid who, according to his own legend, set his house on fire to collect insurance money to complete his cure tape collection and would challenge himself to see how many hours he could stay awake before he either involuntarily passed out or sweet lady death carried him away. Yeah, I know. He was actually one of the nicest guys I've ever met. He helped me out by adding Smith's lyrics to my school binder that was full of Xerox pictures of the Beatles, the Birds, and Elvis Costello. And he took me to my very first concert without parental supervision at the age of 15 when we went to see the Jesus and Mary Chain's L.A. show at Universal Amphitheater in early 1990. Having only seen Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, and the Moody Blues prior to this, this show was a revelation. unhinged and feedback drenched it was louder than anything i had ever heard in my life this was the show i was telling you guys about where uh, early nine inch nails opened the show for them oh yeah i think my ears are still feeling the after effects 30 years later in fact but on the ride to the venue we laid on the shag carpeted bed of the alvarez's camper shell covered pickup truck and roberto introduced me and caught me up on the jesus and mary chain so my number one album is the Jesus and Mary Chain's classic debut, Psycho Candy, which remains as thrilling and revolutionary as it was that night. Yes, Psycho Candy is an apt description. Sugar-coated pop melodies indebted to 60s girl groups and surf music meet buzzsaw guitars and feedback squall. The Reed Brothers' Jim and William simultaneously sounded sweet and extremely dangerous, otherworldly and a little evil. I probably don't need to tell anyone how revered and influential this album is, frequently named as one of the greatest albums of the 80s, of all time, of alternative rock, etc., etc., and a pivotal moment in noise pop, shoegaze, and college rock. This is seriously one of the building blocks of any alternative rock record collection. These 14 tracks, or 15 if you have the earliest CD pressings with some candy talking added, are full of bona fide classics. Just like Honey, Cut Dead, Never Understand, and You Trip Me Up among them.
Yeah, I undoubtedly would have discovered Psycho Candy sooner or later, but at the age of 15, the rock and roll contained on this album shook my very foundation and blew my musical universe wide open. So thank you, Roberto Alvarez. Wherever you are, I am forever in your gratitude. And that's my number one, Psycho Candy by The Jesus and Mary Chain. Incredible record, man. It's an incredible record. Yeah. It just blows me away to this day. It's It still yeah. does not sound of its time. It doesn't sound of this time. It's I bet just, you there's a lot of people that haven't heard that record. If there are people that have not heard that record, do it if yep. your drums can handle it. Yep. <laughs> it was number seven on my list. Ah, there you go. So Jesus and Mary Chain. All right. Well, what about your number one, Uncle Greg? Well, my number one this week for the top five albums of 1985. How could it not be? New Order, Low Life. Many say the album is where New Order, their fusion of rock and electronic music became seamless. The album starts with the song Love Vigilantes, a song once described as at its core, a campfire song. Even Bernard Sumner himself, he decided to write that song when he decided I wanted Bernard Sumner. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Did I say his name wrong the first time? No. no. We're just in past episodes. 24 episodes in, and we got it. Yeah, that's why I said that. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> English and Greg don't mix. Um, that's what happens. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, but he decided to write that Redneck song. Now, the second song on this album is Perfect Kiss, one of mine and a fan favorite of New Order. Now, when this album came out in 1985, it took on all competitors because at the time, synth-heavy groups like Eurythmics and Pet Shop Boys began reaching New Order's expertise with the proper care and mix of electronics and music, but still, Low Life stood out like nothing else. Many feel the album is when New Order hit their peak, experimenting with new sounds and new styles. But here's what makes New Order and the album Low Life so special is that New Order throughout their career, they can have the electronics, but they keep the emotion and humanity intact. So that's why my number one this week, New Order, Low Life. Definitely great. Yes. It was in my top 10. All of your stuff, except for three of Brett Weirds, were in my top 10. Oh, we've had the one crossover. No triple crossover yet. There's not going to be one crossover. Not going to be. be. I don't think mathematically there can be. No, not anymore. My number one is from a Scottish rock band formed in 1977. Simple Minds. Once Upon a Time, that seventh studio album released on the 21st of October by Virgin and A&M in the United States. It was the top of the UK charts and peaked at number 10 in the US charts. Come on, people, really? Spent five weeks in the top 10 on the Billboard, 16 weeks in the top 20, four singles, Alive and Kicking, All the Things She Said, Sanctify Yourself, and Ghost Dancing. This record is incredible. I mean, it has raw energy. Everything on this record is just amazing. Don't you ever stop, I'm here with you. Now it's all or nothing, cause you said 
is a great piece of work by Mr. Kerr. This is gold in France, Germany, Greece, Spain, Netherlands, United States. Went platinum in Belgium, two times in Canada, Netherlands, New yes. Zealand. Yeah. United Kingdom, three times platinum. Number one, Simple Minds, Once Upon a Time. Good album. I'll have to look at that one a little closer because after Don't You Forget About Me, I was so burnt out on Simple Minds by that point. Mm-hmm. Well, one could say that Don't You Forget About Me was somewhat of the beginning of the end for them. I mean, at least from an artistic standpoint in my mm-hmm. mind, because their albums leading up to that, like you have New Gold Dream and Sons and Fascination. I mean, there's some really just groundbreaking, forward thinking type stuff. And you know, I guess Once Upon a Time, Bueno, wouldn't you agree? It's a little bit probably more in like the shooting for the arenas, that kind mm-hmm. of sound, but yeah. uh, but still very good. Very much so. Yep. Yep. More commercial. They wanted yeah. Stella. They, they wanted units to move, and they were yeah. using their success from the Breakfast Club to help. Oh, definitely, that was the yeah, kick, the kicker for them right there. That All was right. the alive and kicker. Yeah, it took them, all, it took them to another another dimension. Uh, sure that is did. how we tell jokes in the Netherlands. Yeah. Here at only three lads. Here at only we're, three lads in our Dutch headquarters. There you got it, our top five albums of 1985. Let's go down our list. Brett, you're first. Number five, Felt, Ignite the Seven Cannons. Number four, The Essence, Purity. Number three, The Chameleons, What Does Anything Mean, Basically. Number two, The Replacements, Tim. And number one, The Jesus and Mary Chain, Psycho Candy, Psycho. My number five, Drama Rama, Cinema Verite. Number four, ABC, Had to Be a Zillionaire. My number three, The Crossover with Bueno. Big Audio Dynamite. This is Big Audio Dynamite. My number two, Killing Joke, Nighttime. And my number one album of 1985, New Order, Low Life. My number five, Robert Palmer, Riptide. Number four, Crossover with Uncle Greg. This is Big Audio Dynamite. Number three, The Power Station. The Power Station, 33 and a third. Number two, Howard Jones, Dream Into Action. And my number one, Simple Minds, Once Upon a Time. Great list, guys great list and like we said at the beginning a great year for music mm-hmm. although all that music i would totally listen to right now yes oh yeah i would not argue with a single choice Mm-mm. not at all except for maybe the power station <laughs> but i shan't i okay. shan't argue it i think okay. that's microphones going out come on that power station that works out yeah. so good power station Come on. I really enjoy So it. sterile, overproduced and polished. Oh, gosh. Come on. They were all on Coke. I mean, this is like rock star stuff. You take yeah. one of the greatest blue-eyed soul singers of all time and you just give them the synthetic backing. It's just, uh, okay. But anyway, oh, but I said I shan't argue it. And I shan't. Okay. Well, let's hit the only three lads randomizer. Let's see what we're talking about next week. All right. Let's do that. Let me get a whammy, man. We're not going to get a whammy. Have we ever gotten a whammy? No. Not yet. Do you have it on the board? Okay, so episode 25, we will be talking about the top five one-word bands. Oh, no. I already got Bueno's number one. 
<laughs> I know you squeeze. Do. <laughs> well, we we can't give that away. We just did. <laughs> right, you guys um, know mine too, so uh-huh. blur in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> How about ABC? Well, this... Is that one word or is that three letters? That's considered one word. All right. Well, sure. maybe they'll end up on my list. We'll see. Yeah, one word. Abka. <laughs> a category that really has no basis in any sort of scholarly music study. It's just dumb fun. Mm-hmm. It could be anything. The only qualification is is by the band name. Yeah. It's got to be, you got to uh, just be kind of lazy. Instead of thinking a long name, you know, like the, the, <clears throat> that wouldn't make it. But if, if, if you were just the, then they could yeah. have made it, you know. All right. So our top five one word bands, the top five of those, that's what we're counting down next week here on the Only Three Lads podcast. Is there anything else you guys need to say? Glad we made it back to 1985, McFly. Yeah. Jumping at the audience. Keep hanging in there, guys. Thank you for listening. And always, be bueno. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.